And this is Ellen. And you're listening to our podcast, Uniquely Portable Magic, where we talk about everything books. Yes, and this week we are talking about The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. Um, and it is a book about, um, I guess we could say dueling magicians, although maybe dueling's not quite the right word, um, and a magical game that they're playing. Um, for anyone joining us here, uh, we do talk about the book really in depth. So, um, just, you know, if you haven't read it, pause here, go read it, come back. If you don't care about spoilers, then just keep listening. <laughs> Join our conversation. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this book, Alex. Uh, but I would like to know first who your favorite character was. Okay, so this one took me a while to figure out, but... I think it really boiled down to, for me, like, the coolest magic, except for the fact that I was, I don't, I don't know, um, I'm not explaining this well, but I, I really, not that it's necessarily the coolest magic, because I thought a lot of things that Marco and Celia did were amazing. But I really found that the twins' magic, to me, was just really cool. Okay. Like, I loved that Widget could tell these amazing stories of the past and, like, know the past. Mm -hmm. And then she would see the future and they were just, you know, like, different sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. um, Poppet would see the future? Yeah. 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 And, um, I also just really enjoyed, like, their positive energy in the book, because sure. I feel like there wasn't a lot of happiness from other characters, even though, like, the book itself was supposed to be about, you know, the circus, and that was supposed to be joyful, and all of the followers, you know loved it mm -hmm. but in terms of like the people actually in the circus you never really saw a lot of like positivity and happiness and sure so that was really refreshing from them and also their act with the kittens was really cute so <laughs> um, I just I just I think so you're going with the twins yeah the twins were my my okay. favorite okay yeah how about you um I also had some trouble with it because I liked quite a few of the characters in the book. Um, but I kept coming back to Celia. Um, okay. And so clearly that must mean she's my favorite, at least at this point in time. Mm -hmm. um, I just was most intrigued with her storyline. Um, I was very intrigued at sort of uh, the fact that she suffered so much abuse at the hands of her father and still oh, came and still came out kind and caring and um you know that's that's a very specific own set of strength you know and and I just thought it was beautiful um and I liked I liked her magic a lot um 
not to say that I didn't like everybody else's magic, but I just was also really drawn to what she could do. So mm-hmm. I think Celia is my favorite character, at least for now. Who knows? <laughs> I might have a I might have a different answer by the end of the the podcast. <laughs> Um, now tell me, do you have a favorite part? Um, so this also really took me a while and made me think, um, because there were a lot of really interesting scenes and the author really just so intricately, like, wove the plot together, um, but I have to say, I think my favorite part is really a couple of different parts. It's all the scenes when you get introduced to the new tents that Celia and Marco make for each other. Mm-hmm. And I just love that concept that, like, they're providing something, like, beautiful for the other person, even mm-hmm. though, like, at that point, they still hadn't really acknowledged their feelings for each other. Right. And just the the really fantastical concepts that they came up with in these new tents and the way that they were described was just so beautiful and cool. And I could almost like start to envision being in there myself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, the imagery in this book was just out of this world. Um, I think my favorite part, um, is actually, um, kind of similar to that. My favorite parts, part, it's sort of a thread, is any time Marco built an illusion for Celia and they were sort of inside the illusion together. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, And then a little bit later when she would help change the illusion. And so it was sort of them working together in the most, like, truest sense of the word. You know, because of course they were working together in building these tents for each other like you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. But I just loved the idea that he was building a space for them both to be together. Because I'm such a hopeless romantic. (laughs) Um, Also were some pretty beautiful scenes too. Yeah, and just like the boat made out of books. Like I was like... Oh, I knew you would love that. I was... I know. I was like, oh, Ellen is going to lift when she reads this. I know. I, uh, yeah, it was... I loved it. It was just amazing. There was also a tiny part of me that was like, that would never work. Like, the water would just <laughs> ruin the... You know, but that's a whole different... You know, it's magic. We can pretend that the books won't get ruined by the water. Right? Like... <laughs> wait, but you're going to... You need to take the covers with, like, jackets off of them. <laughs> you know, don't step on that. And yeah. <laughs> I it's, just totally picture it was, doing that. It was equal parts <laughs> awe and horror. <laughs> um... Do you have any favorite quotes? Yeah, so I had a couple of favorite quotes this time around. Um, 
frankly, I was kind of surprised that I didn't find more because the writing in this book was really great. Um, but I think part of it too was that at each time you picked up this book, you were just constantly trying to figure out what the heck was going on. And so... Can I just I say, I, I... Like, this sounds much more braggy than I mean for it to, but I don't often feel dumb. But reading this book, I felt dumb. Like... <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I know exactly what you mean. Like, you were constantly trying to figure out what the heck was happening you were never given enough information to fully know what was going no, on no i was I continued to figure out yeah. more like as the book progressed i was constantly rereading things like wait did i read that right mm-hmm. oh i did okay like yeah, so i think yeah i think because of that i was paying so much more attention yes, to for sure just trying to keep on top of the plot yeah I wasn't as in tune with, like, the writing and looking for quotes that I really connected to. So For sure. In any case, back to the favorite quote. Right. <laughs> I had two. Okay. And my first one is from Bailey, um, which I absolutely love. So he says, well, I guess, no, he doesn't say this. This is just, like, in his description. Okay. He reads histories and mythologies and fairy tales, wondering why it seems that only girls are ever swept away from their mundane lives on farms by knights or princes or wolves. It strikes him as unfair to not have the same fanciful opportunity himself, and he is not in the position to do any rescuing of his own. And I thought that was so great because he's this, you know, boy living on a farm with huge dreams and I guess I just never really took the time to think about it from a little boy's point of view because we're always talking about how you know girls can rescue themselves like they don't need you know men to help them and you know trying to break down the stereotypes right for ourselves and not thinking about them in terms of the little boys and how they're affected by those stereotypes. And so... Yeah, absolutely. I just thought that was a very interesting quote. Um, And, you know, it definitely made me, like, sit back and think. And then my other favorite quote is very short, but I think it's just a beautiful concept. Okay. And it is, wine is bottled poetry. Oh, I I did really like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's um, at the very end of the book when it seems like Widget is a little bit older. He's at least, you know, a teen, if not a right. young man. Um, and so also picturing him drinking wine, too, when you've seen them grow up as throughout the book as kids is also um really cool and then how he because that's how he thinks of wine right which is point of view which i think 
makes so much sense since he is such an incredible storyteller too. Yeah, absolutely. The quote just made sense coming from him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No, that's beautiful. Um, Yeah. I also had two quotes. Look at us twinsies. Look, yeah, look at you tearing <laughs> down your favorite quote. I know. I'm so good at quotes now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my first one came uh, closer to the beginning of the book. And it's right after um, Marco and Isabel meet each other for the first time. Okay. And uh, she's showing him her tarot cards. And, um, she, she starts by mentioning how, um, the, uh, woman, like the, she found them tucked in a jewelry box in a, like, thrift store, basically, and the woman wouldn't even sell them to her, she just wanted them out of her store, so she was like, just take them, you know, they're the devil's cards. Um, and then the quote, my favorite part of this quote is, um, Marco says to her, people are naive about such things. And they would rather write them off as evil than attempt to understand them. An unfortunate truth, but a truth nonetheless. And um, I, of course, specifically he's talking about the cards, but I thought it was such a, um, such an intriguing truth about society. You know, we are, we're so quick to write off things that we don't understand as evil or bad or, um, uncivilized or X, Y, Z. Um, so I thought that that was, um, um, I just, I just thought it was very apt, not only in the, in the context of what they were actually talking about, but. And sort of the the greater world. Um, And then my other one um, is closer to the end of the book. Um, And it's after... um, It's after... um, See, the thing about this book is, like, I can never remember what happens when because it jumps jumps and everything. So they've definitely... It's after Celia and Marco have kissed at the party. Okay. And I think it's after... And I think it's after they've also spent the night together. But I don't remember. But anyways, he comes to see her at the circus. And... Um, and he, um, they're sort of talking about how much they, you know, love each other, um, all of this stuff. And then it's just, it was just so beautifully written. And I just loved the idea of this. Um, and it, the quote is, he kisses her softly on the forehead before letting her go, staying as close to her as he can without touching. And then he tells her stories, myths he learned from his instructor, fantasies he created himself, inspired by bits and pieces of others read in archaic books with crackling spines, circus concepts that could not or would not fit in tents. She responds with tales from her childhood spent in back rooms of theaters, adventures in far-flung cities the circus has visited. She recounts events from her spiritualist days, delighted when he finds the endeavor as absurd as she had at the time. 
They sit and talk until just before dawn, and he leaves her only once the circus is about to close. Um, and I just loved... Um, maybe it's before they spend the night together. But I just loved that it was just a deepening... You know, because they've, they've been circling each other, and you can tell that they love each other. Um, but it's, it was just a, such a wonderful... Um, deepening of their relationship and mm-hmm. um, a little bit more it felt like okay it was before they slept together but it's um, a little bit of uh, like I said a deepening of their relationship and such a nice way to validate their love for each other you know I feel like sometimes in books we see two people who fall in love and then we, we accept it as as fact because that's what the book is telling us but then when you sit back and you're like how did they fall in love with each other like they barely had any actual like or I should say how did they stay in love with each other like they had hardly any interaction like how did they even know who they were falling in love with right. <laughs> and I just loved that they spent this whole night just talking about their lives and learning more about each other and just being together and um, all of that, that beauty. Yeah. And I find it telling too, that you enjoyed that quote because the way that stories and books were described was pretty cool. Too. Oh yes. Also that, but also like my most favorite part is the, um, inspired by bits and pieces of others read in archaic books with crackling spines. Yes. Yes. That immediately stood out to me. Yeah, like, most specifically out of, you know, there's many things I love in here, but you can just, you can see it, you can see the ancient books with, like, you know, like, I can just picture it in my mind's eye, and it's just so beautiful. Um, speaking of crackling books, um, the, the, there's a big part of me that loved all of these Shakespeare references (laughs) in this book. (laughs) Did I miss the majority of them? Probably. Probably. So. (laughs) I I don't think I knew. Okay, also on the flip side, that sounded much worse out loud than I meant for it to. I meant, I meant, since you don't seem to know what I'm talking about, then yes, probably you miss them. Not like, probably you miss them because you don't know Shakespeare. Um, No, I don't know Shakespeare. (laughs) Even, I think the only Shakespeare I know is Romeo and Juliet, just because I've watched multiple versions of movies (laughs) of that and read the book. Like, I read Macbeth and Hamlet, but do I actually remember anything, like, anything in terms of the plot? Well, don't worry. Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet is just the Lion King. Like, it's... But with, like, humans instead of lions. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's the thing, too, is, like, I've watched multiple movies based on Shakespeare. I We went and saw that play, um, which was amazing. But, like, I seriously don't think I could ever pick up on stuff slash remember that it's Shakespeare or remember, you know, big plot twists to be able to point out, oh, yeah, that. It also doesn't help that one of the biggest ones in here is from a much more obscure Shakespeare play. So the first 
the biggest part is on page 11 of the paperback version. Um, it's right after Celia has been delivered to her father. Um, and so he calls himself Prospero, which is the main character in Shakespeare's The Tempest. Ah, okay. So right away you were like your little Shakespeare antennas were up. Like... Right. And, mm. and, and in The Tempest, he's this big magician. So of course I was, so of course I was like, ha ha ha. But on page 11, um, when he meets his daughter, he finds out her name is Celia. And he said to her, she should have named you Miranda. The man called Prospero the Enchanter says to the girl with a chuckle. I suppose she was not clever enough to think of it. So in The Tempest, Prospero has a daughter named Miranda. Ah. Right? Okay, and yeah, I totally did not understand that <laughs> at all. I was like, am I, is there supposed to be, am I supposed to recognize this? Because this makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is maybe you're supposed to pick up on it. So, like, that's why he wants to continue calling her Miranda throughout most of their time together, like... Because he loves this big, like, Shakespearean idea. There's also, closer to the end, um, you know, we get those pages where it's, like, quotes in and out. Um, and in part five, under divination, we get this beautiful um, Prospero quote from The Tempest. And... Oh. Um, our revels are now are ended. These, our actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits and are melted into air, into thin air. And like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud capped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherit shall dissolve. And like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep, is the Prospero quote at the end of the book. Um, and um, <laughs> it's funny because I've read The Tempest once. I, did, I read it in a Shakespeare class. And so that's the thing also is like, I don't know even as someone who has read quite a bit of Shakespeare, I don't even know that if I hadn't taken this class, I would have picked up on, on the stuff that I picked up on. But, um, when I read that in the actual Tempest, I did not cry. <laughs> and when I read it in this book, I definitely brought some tears to my eyes, like just in the context of this story. And, um, overall, I had this, I don't know if you had the same feeling, but, um, despite the hopeful way that this book ended, um, I couldn't shake, like, an overall feeling of heartbreak, like, from the end of the book, like, and Oh, it, yeah, I was not, like, I, I enjoyed the, the very ending like but in terms of how everything actually ended up yeah um, I was not a fan I was like are you kidding me <laughs> like they could be together but can't really exist in the real world and no it just I was yeah I was pretty upset with how yeah everything turned out um 
Yeah, I just, I couldn't just, I just couldn't shake. I had the same exact feeling, like, yes, they're together, which is wonderful, but, like, they can't leave the confines of the circus. And then at first I was really worried that no one else would be able to see them, but then I was glad that other people can see them, and so they can still, like, talk to the people that they, mostly Celia, because Marco wasn't so much part of the actual circus, um, like, proper. Um, But, like, she can still talk to the twins, and she can still you know, like, communicate with them and, and all of that stuff. So I was glad for that part of it. But, like, yeah, I was so sad about all of I was yeah. so sad about Me all too. of that. Oh. Yeah, are there... So was The Tempest the only... Um, uh, I mean, that was... Player, or were there other... That was definitely the biggest one. And then my other one was just... And by a reference, it was, like, just a, a, a complete drop-in reference. Um, it's closer to the end when Celia is trying to figure out how to undo what Marco has done. And she's sitting in her tent and she's talking to her dad. Um, and he says to her, it's messy work, binding and charms. Um, and he's like, you're special, you're beyond this. You know, there's so much more you could accomplish with your talents. And then she... Um, says to him, which is one of my favorite Shakespeare quotes, period, of all time, <laughs> there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy, which is from Hamlet. Um, and so... Yeah, I also didn't pick up that that was... I was like, am I supposed to know where this reference is from? Well, it... Um, just at, just so you know, it does say afterwards, he says, please don't quote Shakespeare at me. And then she mentions that it's from Hamlet. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm <laughs> not remembering. I guess I'm not remembering that part. I think my initial reaction was, am I supposed to know this? And then, yeah. And then they For sure. It, but I, I already forgot that that happened because there's so, there's so many things. There's this so, book this book is so, like I was saying earlier, it's so intricate. And there were so many times that I found myself rereading things and rereading things and like did I read that properly was there something else that I was supposed to pick up out of this um mm-hmm. and I thoroughly yeah, enjoyed I, it I know I for sure have already forgotten a lot of the details because there was just so much like I so many so I ended up I ended up taking a lot of notes throughout this book oh cool um however However, as I was looking through them, um, I can actually succinctly sum up all of the notes into one, just one short sentence of, what the heck is happening? (laughs) Yes. Literally, all of my notes were, like, questioning, like, oh my god, is this, what just happened? Like, is this something else? And then... The majority, I like. I just have a ton of questions, basically. But then you find out the answers to a lot of them throughout right. the rest of the book. Yeah. But at that point, I was freaking out, basically, because just the way that the book is written, especially with the different um, time frames jumping around and the different perspectives that you get. Right. Um, and just the amount of information that isn't given. Right. That you're supposed to somehow try to decipher. I mean, it's eventually, like, as you keep reading, 
you learn more and are able to piece more together. But right. There was, I, I haven't really determined, like, how much I liked the book or not, I, <laughs> but I know that I, I was just, like, urged to keep reading because I had to find out what yeah. was happening because I just, it was just so frustratingly just out of my grasp. Yeah. Like, I think in terms of knowing what was going on. Yeah. So for me, I mean, so this is a standalone book, so we won't do our, you know, typical series wrap because it's just one book. Um, but I know that one of our questions when we do a series wrap is always, would you reread it? Mm-hmm. And I think for me specifically, I think I need to reread it to help me determine where it sits on, like, where I like it. Because I, I feel quite the same way that you do about it. Like, I'm pretty sure I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um but again, I still, even having read the whole book, I still feel so dumb about it. Like, I don't know, like, what did I miss? What did I not pick up on? What what threads did I let fall? Because there were so many other threads to be following. Um, it reminded me of, like, reading Caraval. Because, like, so much of that, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> But this one was, like, Caraval on steroids. Like, I was, yeah. like, like, I, oh, my God, it was just awful. I, I mean, in the best way. Like, I should clarify, like. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, um, I don't know that I would actually reread it because even though I, I love plot twists and you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen next, even though I'm typically wrong. Uh, (laughs) That's part of the fun, though. I think for me, I just ended up getting, like, so anxious and so frustrated um, throughout the entirety of the book because I didn't know what was happening so often that I really don't want to put myself through that again. (laughs) I wonder... I, I totally... I mean, you know me. You, I get it. I for sure get it. But Granted, I, w- I guess because I know what happened, maybe that wouldn't be right. you know, my feelings the second time around. But I, that's just how I associate. Yeah. Like, that's my association with um, it. I, yeah. No, I get it. For sure I get it. I just wonder if there's other things that I will pick up on if I read it again, when I read it again. Um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. It was... It was so good. Um, like the, It just always just astonishes me when I read a book like this that is so intricate and, like, like, just so well written. And, like, yes, she had all of these threads that she was dealing with, like, the author. Um, but, like, she wrapped them up, you know, like... At the, by the end of the book, there were no loose threads. And, of course, now I say that, and I'm like, I don't think there are any loose threads. <laughs> but, of course, I can't remember all of the threads to even know if they were loose or not. <laughs> yeah, that's... I was just thinking the same thing in terms of not even just 
how intricate the plot itself was, but how she went about writing the book, just the different, you know, time frames and then the different kinds of chapters that you got. Like, I loved that not only was there a story told, but then you also know that the circus the circus still exists in modern times mm-hmm. because there are chapters throughout the book where it's supposed to be as if you, the reader, are there right. in the circus. Yeah. And especially like the final like closing chapter really makes you understand that the circus is still standing today right. for you to go see. Also, then, how badly do you want to go? I want to go so badly. <laughs> I don't know if I would. I oh. don't know. Circuses, like, it seems cool to me, but I... But Alex, this is a magic circus. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. You don't want to go see all those tents that Celia and Marco built for each other? That's true. I think part of me, though, would just have so many questions of, like, how is this possible? Like, how does this work? Like, this can't be real. Like, I... How about, do you want to... be able to accept... Do you want to go knowing the story, right? Like, we can go, but we know the story behind it. So, like... Okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I would go. But also, too, to just get back to how this book was written yeah I absolutely adored how she ended the book that this entire book is actually Widget telling Alexander his history yeah and the story of the circus and it starts the book starts and ends with the same exact words yes outside of like so first the first chapter and the last chapter are I think you being in the circus uh you being the reader. right 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 and then within those two the actual start and right stop of the story yes and yeah I just I like when I figured out what was happening I was like oh my gosh that is such a great idea like, that uh, oh yeah Absolutely. Uh, it brought a tear. I, I, I mean, it made me cry a little bit. Um, yeah. However, I didn't like the actual ending to the story in terms of what ended up happening with the characters. I had a lot of problems with that. Okay. But in terms of how she, like, started and stopped and ended the book with yeah. those two, you know. It's very Catcher in the Rye, right? Like, you know, you get to the end of Catcher in the Rye and you find out that this whole book has been him talking to his therapist or whatever. Yeah, I know I read that in high school, <laughs> but I don't have any memory of anything about it. I realize that, you I mean, you know me, I talk about my terrible memory all the time, but like, <laughs> especially with books, like, I... I mean, this might piss off some people who really like Catcher in the Rye, but that's pretty much all you need to know about. It's about a whiny, rich kid who has some issues, and he tells a story from his own point of view to his therapist, and you don't find out he's talking to a therapist until the end of the book. Yeah, I 
I know that a lot of people like that book, but I also recall that I wasn't a huge fan. I, I wasn't either, and maybe we shouldn't be admitting this on a book podcast. Like, because it is a really like <laughs> you know accomplished book and everything. Yeah, but I just I just remembered like yeah, just being like, okay, that's a book I read. <laughs> you know, like. Um, I mean, it's yeah. great if other people like it. That's, you know, you know, do your own thing. But it is not my cup of tea. Um, so some, I did, I did not take as many notes as I um, would have liked. I think a lot because of the same reasons that you were talking about. Like, there was so much that I was trying to juggle and, like, keep track of and I didn't want to pull myself out of the book because I was like scared I was gonna (laughs) just lose it all you know for me now thinking thinking about this so like we've compared this to Caraval yeah in that you're like constantly like what the heck is happening and I think I had two different reactions like for Caraval like I couldn't put it down like I couldn't even stop to take notes like that was very hard for me yeah but for the night circus I had to stop and jot something down because it helped me just like note what was happening. Sure. Um, and be like, okay, now I really don't know what's going on. Like trying to process it, but not really being able to. Right. Still feeling like writing it down was somehow helpful <laughs> to figure out what was going on. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, so I want to talk about just the whole premise of this quote-unquote, game. Mm -hmm. Like, first and foremost, what a horrific thing for these two magicians to do. One, to their own daughter, and then two, to this, like, random child. You take them off, well, not off the street, out of an orphanage. You raise them, but you don't really raise them. Like, he's not with him. Like, he is basically just abandoned in a new place, you know, like, mm-hmm. and groom them to either live or die, you know, and like, not, and not well, only, and, and you're anticipating that one of them will die. Right. And not only that, but then, so not only have you signed them up for this, but then you give them no information. Like, <laughs> I was well, not even no information but also no alternative. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely no way to escape this game. Right. One of the two players has to die for it to end. Yeah. Like, I just... And and there are consequences that aren't necessarily realized, like, as the game is played. Yeah. And then, oh my gosh, I just... Were you, I was astounded multiple times throughout this book when you finally are given a piece of information. Um, and one of those times was realizing that we actually got to meet a victor of the, a previous game. Yes. Uh, and the fact that there had been multiple games prior to this. And uh, that they had lasted, that one of them lasted what? Th- so t- Sukiko's one lasted 38 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God. 
Like, and of course, I guess yeah. I, I could have thought about that because their game was already lasting, like, 15 years or whatever, but, like, 16 years. I know. But, like, man. I think, too, I was like, why, why is she letting this go on? Like, why didn't she say something after she had suffered so much because of her own participation in this game like why did she keep silent I understand why Prospero and Alexander didn't want to tell their students what was going on because yeah. that was part of the purpose of the game or whatever but I kind of wanted Susiko to step up sooner than she did yeah um, I wonder if she couldn't you know like I wonder if there was something that they they that Prospero and Alexander put into place or something like that maybe but i also was my mind was blown when you find out that it's actually a student and teacher relationship between Alexander and Prospero okay so that's funny that you say that cuz i did not that was always sort of what I was picking up on um in it um I think because um (laughs) this is gonna sound really weird bear with me I think because of um (laughs) my love of Star Wars let me continue okay so most of Star Wars, you just picked up on the vibes or something? Y- yes, kind of. So it's... You... So in Star Wars, I know you've only seen, like, the original three, right? Yeah, and then I've seen some of the newest, but I haven't seen, like, episodes one, two, and three. Okay. So what you find yeah. out, right, is that there are the Jedi, which are, like, the the good ones... And there's the Sith who are the bad ones. And the Sith only ever have two Sith. There's only ever a master and the apprentice. Mm. Um, And then later, after lots of things happen, I'm not going to tell you because you haven't seen the prequel three, but after things happen, there's only generally a teacher and an apprentice in... um, the Jedi, um, or for the most part. And so I think what it is, is especially because, um, and, and, and it would make sense why you might not have picked up on that, but for me, having seen Darth Vader's fall from being a Jedi and becoming a Sith apprentice, this, I know it sounds really dorky, but it makes sense. It, cause it stems from him wanting to prove himself to his master and so I was able to pick up on the fact that Prospero his flashiness and his desire to keep doing this game even though his choices don't seem to ever win was very much him trying to prove himself to his teacher okay I can totally see that now that I've read the entire book and you just explained that to me. <laughs> now I can see earlier on 
how you picked up on that, but I was super oblivious, <laughs> had no idea, I just thought they were two magicians who thought of themselves like to be equals, but just approached magic in such a different way. Yeah. And so they were trying to, you know, determine whose method was superior. Yeah. It's also really funny that you say that they saw each other as equals because I think Prospero saw them as equals. But Alexander didn't. And Alexander very much did not see them as equals. Yeah. That's true. That's very that's, true. That's very interesting. Um, I had a couple notes in here that were just like fun little quotes. Or like not, not even quotes, like fun little parts, I mean. Um, <laughs> um, my f- favorite little like twin moment, um, I hope that you'll appreciate this because they're your favorite characters, um, yeah. um, is <laughs> after, um, after Poppet has gone to see Bailey outside of the circus and uh-huh. invite him to come with, with them, um, so it's on page like three sixty seven. Um, she comes back to the, she comes back to the circus. Widget comes to find her. He's shoving chocolate covered popcorn in his mouth, <laughs> and this little part was just the cutest, and it made me so. And you know, and they're like sixteen years old now, so like they're like, you know, middle teenagers. And he's mm. and he's like, "What'd you say to him?" He asked with his mouth <laughs> yeah. mostly full. And she goes, I tried to explain as much as I could, Poppet says. I think I made an analogy about cake. And then Widget says, well, that must have worked, Widget says. Who doesn't like a good cake analogy? (laughs) And I cracked up for many reasons. One, just because it's so funny. I love that he's shoveling chocolate-covered popcorn in his mouth. Like, I totally spoke to me on a, you know, level. Um, but also when he's like, who doesn't love a good cake analogy? Um, <laughs> I made the jump to the scene in Shrek where yes. she- <laughs> Everybody loves parfait. Right. Where he was talking about layers and, and like, I know it doesn't have anything to do with cake, but like, I was just like, cakes have layers. <laughs> and then I, like, it was just like a jump that I made. So I thought that was just absolutely hilarious and there are many scenes that I loved with the twins but I just loved this little glimpse into like just them being themselves with each other and I thought it was just the cutest thing um yeah that's why they're my favorite characters (laughs) they just bring who doesn't like a good cake analogy (laughs) yeah they just bring this level of like positivity and happiness and humor where the rest of the book not the rest of the book because that's not true because all of the followers of the circus are really excited and happy and love going to the circus and you get this feeling of um just like gaiety from them but in terms of like the characters in the circus themselves right it i don't know there's just kind of like this like i don't want to i don't know how to describe it but almost this like background layer of like darkness kind of cloaking everything because you're 
like in the back of your mind there's always the wonder of like okay what is this game actually doing how is it affecting these people like what consequences are there because there's just this almost this like layer of foreboding that there are very serious consequences but you don't know what they are right absolutely um i totally agree so i also wanted to talk about sort of just bailey in general um his first chapter after reading it i was like what what why is this here I know. Like, is this even the same book? I know. I was like, why the heck is this here? And then I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those, like, split point of view books. And I was like, I am just so not excited to read about this Bailey character. And then, of course, very quickly after that, I was like, you know, in subsequent chapters of his, I was like, okay, just kidding. (laughs) I I am enjoying these chapters, but, like... (laughs) Just the pure confusion after that. His first chapter for me was just hilarious. Like, I was like... I was on the exact same page there. I was... I think I even, like, finishing the chapter, I might have, like, stopped. And I can just, like, picture myself, like, with a very confused face, almost, like, looking around, like, can help me figure this out? <laughs> Um, but I just loved his whole storyline and I loved, um, there's the part where he goes to see his grandma, right? Like, so she, um, wanted his sister to go to Cambridge or whatever. Like there was a specific school he wanted her to go to, um, or she wanted her to go to. And then she was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to stay home and whatever. And then she wanted um, Bailey to go to Harvard. And he goes to visit her. And she sort of lets slip that she's like, I actually don't care if you go to Harvard or not. She's like, I want you to make sure that you're following your dreams. You know? And I just thought, first of all, that was so beautiful. And second of all, for an adult to sit there... And say that to it like a like to actually actively say that to a child, and like to lay that groundwork is so important and impressive and beautiful, and especially for it to be a grandparent, you know, like, um, you know, an older generation, right. you know, like it was just such a breath of fresh air, and I thought it was so beautiful. Um, Um, And I just love that he, I loved the part that was your favorite quote about him dreaming about getting swept off his feet. I loved later on when Poppet was like, haven't you ever dreamed about being swept off your feet? And he was like, yeah, I mean, how did you know that? And, (laughs) you know, and she's like, I just knew, you know, so I think that was just, um, and then, you know, he ends up running the whole show, you know, like I just... Yeah, so I actually, I definitely wanted to talk about that because I, that was one of the things that I really hated about the ending. Oh, interesting. That 
they basically forced this teenager to take on the entire responsibility of running this circus and being caught in this age and like slowly aging for the rest of his, you know, now extended life. Whereas, and I mean, I know that he loves the circus and like wanted to be a part of it, but they, they forced this child into basically becoming a slave to the circus. Well, and I mean, I know that they were both forced to into playing a game and they didn't see any other way out of. Well, they very clearly, they gave him a choice. Like she, I know, but like, he didn't really have like, yes, he was given the choice, (laughs) but it was basically like, let all these people down, possibly let people die or take on this huge burden. But they didn't tell but they didn't tell him that part of it, right? It's like he's like what's going to happen and they were like I you know, they were basically like I don't know if we're going to fully tell you that cuz they didn't want to sway his decision. Like they were doing their best to truly give him the biggest amount of choice that they could. I still don't think they should have given the choice to like a 16 year old kid. I think he's also, I also think that he's a little bit older than, than Widget and Poppet. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know that that really sways my opinion. (laughs) I I still think that they should have placed such a burden on someone so young. Who should, who who should they have approached? Uh, I don't know that anyone could have done it. And I don't know that there was any way out of it. I just didn't, I, I didn't like how it ended. And that was one of the things that I really didn't Interesting. like about how the author chose to wrap things Interesting. up. Interesting. Um, what I got from the end of it is that he, it wasn't as much of a burden to him as it was on, because Celia and Marco are still there helping as much as they can from whatever sort of, in interim place that they're in um it didn't seem like to me and into my reading of it that it was as much of a burden to him because not only did he have those two but then you know like when poppet goes to um why can't i think of his name alexander no she goes to oh oh poppet goes to I was thinking of Witcher going to Alexander. Um, who does Papa go to see? When are we... She goes to see that British guy who run who started the thing in the first place. Why can't I think of his name? Um, the architect? Or no, are you talking about the... Um, the backer, like the financial backer of the... Yeah, why service? can't I... What's when they, they pick the room for... Celia and Marco. Chandrash. I was like, <laughs> when they go to see Chandrash, or when she goes to see Chandrash, and she gives him the kitten and all of that. Oh, right, right, right. Like, I, because I also saw, like, so they were keeping on the sister who lived. They're keeping on the architect guy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the two twins are going to be part of it. And, like, 
it was a much, it seemed like a much better support system for, for Bailey. Um, but I also thought it was really interesting that his name was Bailey because of course, Barnum and Bailey's circus was the first Ah. big circus here in, in the States, you know? And so I was like, okay, what an interesting, fun little nod to actual, you know, actual circuses. Um, Speaking of actual circuses, and this really has nothing to do with (laughs) anything, but I have had Never Enough from The Greatest Showman stuck in my head today because I was thinking about how um, we've never been given enough information (laughs) in this book to actually know what's happening and then like automatically I went from like saying those words in my head to then the song just coming up and I was like yes this is the soundtrack to me <laughs> like trying to frustratingly figure out this book <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious I love that um as we've been doing this I found that I like to listen to music when I read um but I can't listen to music with words in it because then it distracts me and I start singing along to the music. So I've been doing a lot of uh, movie soundtracks, like movie oh, score soundtracks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So ironically, I did this a little bit backwards. Ironically, when I was reading Fable, I listened to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. And then for this book, I listened to the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtracks. Um, and let me just tell you, it adds a lot to, like, they say it about movies, right? Like, the score adds so much, but it added (laughs) so much suspense, (laughs) (laughs) um, to some of the most suspenseful parts of this book. (laughs) There were, there were times that I would be like, I was listening to it on my Alexa, and I'd be like, Alexa, stop! Like, I can't stop it! <laughs> and I'd have to, like, turn off the music, because my it was getting too intense for me, and, I, <laughs> and I'd be like, stop talking! Stop singing! Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really listen to a lot of music anymore, because, like, when I'm working, I find it super distracting, similarly with reading yeah but maybe I should try it while I'm reading and do something similar or just do like jazz or classical music or Mm -hmm. something um I've also found um as a fun side note um I as you know I sometimes have trouble sleeping and I found a long time ago that I needed something that would help um uh, calm down my mind, like something that I could focus on to help try to fall asleep, but I couldn't be too focused on it um, because then I'd also stay awake. And so I started listening to Lady Smith Black Mombazo, which is an African um, group um, because that has words in it that are intriguing and interesting, but they're not in English, so they're not too, like. You know, so, like, you could even do that. Um, I've listened to those, to them, reading some of the books that we've read for this podcast. Um, But it's just, you know, fun things that 
like I've listened to the Star Wars soundtrack. Like I've done, you know, some of my favorite movies. I've listened to their scores as I've been reading. Yeah. Um, which is very helpful, and I think I'm going to continue doing so. But I might maybe try to plan it out a little bit better, and instead yeah. of. I could see that also just really messing up areas of the book, like especially if the score and like the theme <laughs> really don't align at all. Sure. Like, oh, for like, sure. Really change how you're like processing what's happening. Oh, I'm sure that's like, accurate. Super suspenseful music, like when there's like a really like joyful, happy, like romantic moment, and you're like the music's like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> That's true. It could it could definitely have. I don't think it has had that yet, but it, you're right. It could have the opposite effect. Um, that's funny. I didn't even think about that. Um, but yeah, it was it, it, definitely the suspenseful music lined up with suspenseful parts in this book were like way too much for me. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, stop talking right now. Stop, oh you know. Gosh playing music um was there anything else about Bailey that you wanted to bring up um now that we got completely sidetracked no I don't think so okay Um, the other side is maybe but I don't remember (laughs) so one question that I wanted to bring up to you yeah I have not been able to answer myself is whose childhood was worse Oh, Celia or Marcos? Celia's. You think? Yes. She was. She was physically abused by her father. He broke her wrist. He cut her fingers open. He killed birds in front of her. He. I would much rather be left alone to my own devices, and basically abandoned than. Yeah, but also by yourself and being abandoned completely um, changes your like development oh, and how you're absolutely to interact with people in the world and it's you're absolutely correct I think they were both terrible they were both terrible I think hers was worse also because he's her actual father yeah that's He's not some man who took her out of an orphanage, you know. Yeah. And and because she had to sit and watch her mother pine over this man and then kill herself over this man. And then she gets dumped in his lap. Like, you know, to watch her own mother suffer because of this man and then have to go live with him. Like yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay, I guess you all, you have a lot of valid arguments <laughs> that have swayed me. I, I a thousand percent agree that Marco's childhood was not good either, um, and and is detrimental, but hers was worse, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So, if you read the little, like, excerpt to figure out what this book is about it tells you like right off the bat that Celia and Marco are going to have a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. so like you already know that's going to happen so the first time we were introduced to Isabel I totally thought that was Celia I did too 
Especially yeah. because she yeah. gives him his her name and he goes, it feels like a lie. And I'm like, oh, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting because I, of course, knew that there was going to be some sort of romantic entanglement, but you don't know to what extent it's going to be, right? And so for a lot of this, when it was just sort of like stolen looks and and stuff, I was like, that could be the extent of it, you know, like, because they're um, competitors in this game. I was very glad that they got to be more than that to each other. Um, <laughs> Cause I was very worried for a while that that was all that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, Isabel, I mean, I'd love to talk about her even too, but like she, yeah, at the beginning that totally threw me off. I was like, oh, it's Celia pretending to be somebody else. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So Isabel was a hard character for me because like, I just kept vacillating between disliking her and then liking her and then feeling sorry for her. Okay. And it would just, like, go between all of those. Was your dislike for her only tied in the fact that she was keeping Celia and Marco apart? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Otherwise, I don't think I would have had a problem with her. But because of that, I was like, "Mm -mm, no. (laughs) That's really funny. I, I never disliked her. I saw her as an obstacle, of course. Um, But I loved that she was just, she was so kind and, you know, she was willing to help Marco, you know, figure this, all this out. You know, she signed up to be part of the circus for him, knowing what it meant, knowing that she wouldn't be able to be around him all the time like she wanted to be. Um... Also, I'm a sucker for a good unrequited love, you know, like, there's just so, so something so tragically beautiful about it, you know, that I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. Um, and, um, yeah, it just, um, and like, even in the end, when he confirms to her that they're not to you know that they're not there's not a future for them together mm-hmm. like even her like she doesn't become vindictive she doesn't become uh the villain you know she doesn't become you know she just accepts it of course she has that moment where she realizes that what she's been doing is maybe not as helpful as she thought it was with binding everything Except together. For the fact that you realize that she was the thing that was keeping yes. the circus from falling apart. Exactly. My heart. Oh, yeah. And she thinks she's not doing anything helpful. And then you realize that now everything is going to cycle into some sort of doom because 
she had somehow, without us knowing, been keeping the game and the circus balanced. From, yeah. Yeah. And then, and to her, it's just this like simple little like charm or trinket or spell or right. something. Even, I mean, even was super critical and then everything starts unraveling. Yeah. After that. Absolutely. And I mean, even Celia has that moment where she was like, I didn't, she's like, I knew about what she had done, but I didn't think that it was doing anything. Mm -hmm. And then of course she undoes it and then everything starts unraveling. Um, you know, but even then, you know, like, yeah, it's heartbreaking, but it's also like, she, and it, like, you know, she does it, I think, with maybe a little bit of hope that maybe Marco will win and that by default she'll be there for him. But it's, but even that is not like, it's not like she's doing it and actively thinking, and now I'll also get rid of Celia, right? Like, she, she's, right. you know, like, I just loved that she, even through her rejection and heartbreak that she's experiencing, she doesn't, she doesn't turn on Celia, right? Like, it's not Celia's yeah. fault that he's not in love with her, right? Like, you know, and, and that happens so often in books, like, when there is, like, a, like a love triangle or whatever, like... One person blames the other person who's the, you know, who their person fell in love with. And it's like, it's not their fault that that person doesn't love you. Like, and it, it, of course it still sucks, but like, it's not, you know, like, so I loved that there was, she was so opposite of that, you know, like, I just thought it was wonderful. Um... Yeah. And refreshing. And I guess, yeah, that's why I tended to still go back and forth because, hmm. you know, all of those things about her were endearing and likable, but then I'm st- I still just get very frustrated with people who end up getting in the way of, <laughs> you know, true love and... <laughs> So therefore, I didn't like her, and then also ended up feeling sorry for her a lot of the times, too. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I totally had another topic that I wanted to bring up. (laughs) And now, for the life of me, I cannot remember what it is. <laughs> it's hard. There's so many things to... Crazy. I know. It's... I'm sure there's more that I had wanted to talk about. And Oh, okay. one thing I wanted to talk about was... So, of course, we know that Celia and Marco are in love with each other, and they're more in love with each other than they've been with anybody else. But, um... It was so heartbreaking for me to find out that that's been the case for all of the competitors, right? Like, mm-hmm. when Tsukiko talks about her competitor who turned herself into a pill, you know, jumped into the pillar of flame instead of letting Tsukiko maybe die and, like, 
And so, and then you can sort of infer that this bond that these two, that Prospero and, and Alexander are creating between these people always turn out to be romantic and like just how heartbreaking that was like that yet again these two wizards have screwed everything up <laughs> and screwed everyone oh, over <laughs> yeah um that's so true i still can't remember what the heck i wanted to say but on a different note <laughs> concepts that I found really interesting in this book was the concept of secrets and how like sharing secrets is bad and so therefore teaching other people magic makes it less potent because you're sharing a secret and somehow like that makes the magic less potent like I didn't really like as a concept I thought that was very unique and I forget who brought it up. I think it was one of Widget's like stories of, you know, something that he knew to be true mm-hmm. that he was telling to Poppet um, and Bailey maybe. But I just thought that was such an interesting concept of, you're basically diluting magic by passing it on to other people and teaching them something new. Yeah. When the, when to me teaching and learning is such a beautiful thing and something to be revered and to be celebrated. Right. And so that that concept was basically like the exact opposite of that <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's a very interesting um yeah it's a very interesting sort of thought process there um and unique like I liked that it was was very unique mm-hmm. oh this is still really bothering me that I don't know what I wanted to do <laughs> Was it tied to anything that we were already talking about? No, I don't think it was. I think it was a completely different topic. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, I think... Now I remember. Okay. Yay! Wow. This is actually surprising. <laughs> I, like, never remember. I'm so excited. Um, did you, from the beginning think that this was going to be a contest to the death yes like was that something that you picked up on right away yes okay I picked up I picked up on it from the moment that Alexander didn't let Celia hear part of their conversation Mm -hmm. way at the beginning when he first like because she wasn't allowed to hear that I was like oh he doesn't want her to hear that her father just agreed to put her into a competition that would maybe result in her dying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there was something specific that made me pick up on that, but it was kind of like I always just had that feeling, like, from the beginning. Yeah. That that was what was happening. So then I was almost kind of let down, like, when they finally revealed it, like, towards the end of the book, because... 
I wondered if the author thought that we were supposed to be surprised by this. No, I think it was supposed to be... Uh, I think it was supposed to be a form of, now of course I'm not going to be able to, are you trying to think of a literary term? Yes, dramatic irony. I just looked it up. I think Ah, it was supposed to be an instance of dramatic irony. I think it's supposed to be, because that is, we as the reader know something that the characters don't know or we are guessing at something that the characters don't know because there's that whole part where celia and and marco are talking and i think it's celia but she's like when this is all over maybe it's marco uh whatever it's one of the two of them Mm -hmm. and they're like when this is all over let's run away together and then i remember thinking very dramatically to myself on the verge of tears no, because when this is all over, one of you is going to be dead. Like, and you guys don't know this. <laughs> like, like, it was very intense for me because I was like, I don't like knowing something that you guys don't know because it feels like I'm watching a car accident, like, you know, two cars careening towards each other and I can't do anything to stop it. <laughs> like that where you as the reader know something and the characters don't and you know that happens relatively I don't know about relatively frequently but it's not uncommon right Um, but it becomes frustrating to me when it gets to the point where you're like okay come on the characters should really know this information at this point like (laughs) like Let's be realistic here. Somehow they should already know this piece of information that I already know, and they should be privy to it at this point. Right. So I think that was frustrating to me in this book even. Okay. Where, like, because we could see it from the beginning, it was just so obvious for so long. Yeah. That I was just like, how could you not even have an inkling that this could be a possibility Uh, I think part of it was because they didn't want to have an inkling. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to face that that was probably how this was going to end. Because if you're so in love with someone, you don't, and you know that you're in this competition, you don't want to have to face the reality that one of you is not walking out of this. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, That is very true. Yeah, I just... Yeah, it just, I'm still reeling a bit from it. Like, I'm just like, what What just happened? <laughs> um, in, a go- in a very good way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think we talked about all of my notes, but as I said before, a lot of them were just <laughs> questions that ended up getting answered as we continued reading, so I don't know that they really... Do you have any questions that didn't get answered? Um, I don't think so. I think everything, like you said before, I think the author did a good job of really tying up all of the threads 
that she had woven into the plot. Yeah, I think... I think that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... Yeah, so I think I would read it again, mostly because I want to know if I would get a different understanding of some things from it. You don't think you'll read it again. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that I would. And that's okay. (laughs) Also, when you got to the end, did you... You know, it gives you that, you know, it's in the last part of the you as the reader being at the night circus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you the email address to email Bailey. Did you get the overwhelming urge to just try it? Like, to see if... No, I didn't even think to do that. Are yeah. you going to do it? I think, I'm, I, think I will. Because, like, most likely what's going to happen is it'll bounce back to me. But, like... What if they've set something up and you get, like, an email back? Like, how cool would that be? You know? That would be really cool. Yeah. That would be a pretty genius idea to just have, like, an automated response. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it wouldn't even have to be an an actual person answering them. Exactly. Just, like, an automated response. Like, thank you for your interest in the night circus. Currently, we don't know where our next location will be. But, you know, like, you know, like... Something just fun and, and, and gimmicky would be... So, yes, I think I will try to email Bailey and, and see if I get a response. Um, yeah, I mean, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. Okay. We covered a lot. I know. And I feel like, I feel like yes, we've covered a lot, and I still somehow feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. I agree. agree. There's a lot. There was just, I think part of the problem is it's hard to delve into the details of this book and talk about them because they're just so, there's so much. Yeah, for sure. It's almost better to take a step back and talk about some of the broader themes and issues that we saw instead of. For sure. As deeply as we have in some of the other books, just because if we did that, we'd just be here for hours and we'd probably be talking ourselves in circles. Right. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, My last thing is I wanted to be part of those midnight dinners so badly. They just sounded so fun and like the food that they described. Oh my gosh. I was drooling. Oh yeah. They talked about that. Yeah. Especially the desserts. Ugh. I know. Yeah, I was like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> right? Like, I know I'm not cool enough to participate, but I figure out a way. Yeah, right? right? Like, what would I contribute to this? Probably nothing, but I would like to eat that food, please. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and then my last thought was um, when Marco took Celia to that room that's in that house that like the whole middle is like pillows and there's like just like crystals hanging from the ceiling or whatever and he was like I like to go in here and read like never in my life have I wanted to be able to go read someplace (laughs) as much as 
when I was reading about that room and like the whole middle of it being just pillows and they can just like recline and read. And I was like, how do I make sure that that becomes a part of any future place that I live? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Ooh, that I would like that to be part of that for me. Um, so like somehow make like a pillow fort, but like for an adult basically. Yeah. And have it be part of the room. Like, that was the, you know... I don't know how you would do it, but I'm sure it could be done. I feel like it would have to be on the ground floor. Like, it wouldn't be able to be, like, on the second floor. Because you'd have to, like, sink in part of the floor. I don't know. I'm not an architect. I Or or a uh, construction person. Oh, Uh, so are you planning on doing some, like heavy renovations here to get this room. <laughs> I mean, it's it's living up here in my brain. Um, yeah, well, um, I think overall I enjoyed the book. Yeah. I enjoyed reading it, but I don't know that I would read it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I reread it, I'll let you know, and I'll let you know if it changed anything (laughs) so um everyone be sure to uh look at this week's episode description to follow along with what we'll be reading next week um if you'd like to follow us on social media we'd love to have you uh you can find us on twitter at uniquely portable magic podcast um at upm pod official on instagram or uniquely portable magic podcast And my favorite is the Gmail. Send book suggestions, discussion topics, cute animal pictures, just say hi, all of that fun stuff um, at uniquelyportablemagicpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.